Linda, my dear. Oh, Andy boy. Oh, Andy boy. Andy boy <sighs> broccoli. <laughs> Just had to wrestle a dog. Made me a little breathless. Your own dog or another dog? Uh, my own dog. Is he being bad? I wanted to come. I wanted to come on a walk. Do a walk and talk. You love and, a good walk uh, and talk. It's true. It's true. I, I can do. attest to this. Uh, and he was like, "Oh, it's a uh, we're just going on a walk." And I was like, "Uh." Uh-uh. So he tried to run out. It's a whole thing. Walking by a very cute puppy. Our neighbor got an adorable little puppy that kills me every time oh. I walk by it in the yard. It's a little cute. She goes up right to the edge of the fence and tries to like bite your fingers through the fence. It's so cute. Oh. Oh. Sadie doesn't so care cute. about the puppy at all. I like want Sadie to play with the puppy and she just sniffs it and it like, you know, rolls over and gets all playful and she just sniffs it again and says, all right, well, you're fine. Dogs are so weird. I know. They're so strange. We really they're messed up not... these wolves. I know. Uh, I had a fun um, Zoom chat today. Oh. Where uh, it's like retreat week at Help Scout. Mm-hmm. So we're doing scheduled fun. and <laughs> Everyone's favorite. The, yeah. Oh, it says here on my calendar to have fun. I will uh, immediately <laughs> begin having fun I'll now. Get on that. Yeah. Um, and, but today we had like a puppy show and tell. Ooh. Where Ooh. everyone just introduced their pets. Andy, we had cats, we had dogs, we had a hedgehog. Hedgehogs are so cute. I can't handle it. So freaking cute. My sister had a bunch of beanie babies growing up, and I never got any beanie babies, but I did have exactly one hedgehog beanie baby, and I love that little thing. Aww. Best beanie baby. This one time I branded a company in San Francisco with a little hedgehog mascot, as you do, and I wanted to do some, like, promotional stuff. And uh, so I I was like, oh, let's get some, like, let's rent some hedgehogs for this photo shoot. So I tried to see if there was, like, a hedgehog handler who would bring some hedgehogs over. And it turns out it's illegal in the state of California. To own a hedgehog or to rent a hedgehog? Both. So, like, I think the the zoo had some, but to rent them would have been, like, $20,000 or something. (laughs) Whoa. Not not the kind of money we were dealing with. So uh, we were just, like... Any small and cute animal. Uh, I think we ended up shooting a couple of rabbits. Um, but Here's anyway. a question for you. Is this company you branded with the hedgehog still in business? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Of course not. Yeah. Like like many... This is what I enjoyed about working in an agency in San Francisco. Um, one of my clients is still in business. They're called Mux. M-U-X. And... They are doing really great, and I think the owners are really stupendous and sweet and lovely. I think maybe one of our other clients, aside from them, is still in business. But API for video streaming. You know, I gotta say this. Uh, it's, is this still the, the design work you did for them that I'm looking at here? I think that you know, it's like I handed over the brand kit, and it's evolved from there. I haven't even looked at it in a while. But it's, it's, I was gonna say it's kind of got some Linda vibes, but maybe it's just the vibes of the internet now because all websites kind of. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it's funny because there's actually a really good friend of mine who they ended up hiring for their role without even knowing that we like had a connection at all. Like he was like, "Oh, I just got a job at this place. Have you heard of it?" And I was like, oh, "I did their branding." Like, yeah, like, no I did way. your job for you. Now you pick it up where I left off. Take my sloppy yeah. seconds. 
Uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I, a lot of companies don't make it, and that is okay. I feel like that's fine as a designer. I always found that to be extremely depressing as an engineer when you build something and then they're just like, ah, sorry, we didn't make a billion dollars in six months as we told our investors we would. So uh, now we just throw all that in the in the garbage. Totally. Because like, and... the design work, you can still put it in your portfolio and it's like just as good because it's just a thing you look at. So, you know, no no, no harm, no foul. But all that code yeah. you wrote to do the thing and now, now no one's doing the thing anymore because of your dumb investment model. Oh, it makes me so mad. So mad. It's just, oh, you know, it, capitalism is not a great uh, allocation of resources, it turns out. All that time we spent working on that website was not a great way to allocate our resources. But those people had the money, Linda, so surely they must have had a great idea. <laughs> you can't get money without having a great idea. That's how capitalism works. Exactly. I don't mean to make us all about capitalism. We don't have to do that. What I was going to say is that uh, it's not a surprise that one of your friends started working at Linda because you have so many friends. You know so many people. Oh, I, I do have a lot of friends. And this friend in particular... Uh, he just house sat for somebody in Alaska for a couple months. Ooh. And, oh, remote. so, so cool. Well, he actually... Taking I think, like, social distancing his... to the max. <laughs> but he's uh, originally from... I don't know I'm giving all this information about this person, but he's he's an outside boy. And, <laughs> and his uh... <laughs> social security number is weird. It's got a palindrome <laughs> right in the middle of it. <laughs> Um, but I, I had one uh, FaceTime with him while he was in Alaska and was kind of jealous. Lots of northern lights. He saw a couple of mooses uh, just out there in the middle of nowhere doing pretty much nothing and getting so bored he didn't know what to do with himself. Yeah, I wonder how long I would like that for. Some amount of time, for sure, but not forever. Yeah. And there were interesting things. Like he said that the cooking, at first he was really excited that he was going to get to do all this cooking, but now he's like, yeah, I've like perfected all of my bread recipes and I'm making really great cookies all the time, but, but I'm kind of bored with it. Only so much you can cook before you're like, can someone just make me a burger, please? Mm, my, I've, I wish I'm like ashamed to say that I have not been cooking as much as I would like to, and I've not been enjoying it as much. The stupid having to cook two meals a day ruins it for me. It's like, it's like making it work, right. you know? Like I really enjoyed right. coming home from work and cooking when I was working at the office because it was like, a hard stop on my day and I got to stop looking at a computer screen and stuff. And it could theoretically be all those things still, but I had to make lunch first in the middle of the day. And then like, there's still dirty dishes from lunch and then I'm not motivated to like, it's just, it's bad. Yeah. I feel you. It's bad. Like, I wonder what we're going to look back on and like regret about this time for me. I don't think anything. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go around the circle and say what we're going to regret. For me, it's nothing. I've once again done a perfect job. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm pretty much going to just be as forgiving as I humanly possibly can because uh, fucking <laughs> there is no rule book for how to survive a pandemic and be productive. America, capitalism, it all comes back. It does all come back, Linda. And I think you're capable of quite a bit of forgiveness. So that'll be good for yeah. you. But yeah, I, I think that like instead of thinking about what I'd regret, it's more like. You know, if we were to explain this to the child versions of ourselves, what would our child or like teen versions of ourselves imagine this time to be like, oh, think of all the, I'll like get really good at the guitar or I'll like fucking draw a comic book or I don't know. Is that what kids uh, think? I don't think kids by default immediately think of how productive they're going to be. I think they're like, oh, cool. I play video games all day. That sounds fun. I was a pretty like uh, <laughs> capitalist kid. I was just a little laborer. <laughs> you got trained from an early age, Linda. I did. Well, and I think it was mostly in regards to my drawing. So I 
knew that the only way to get better as a drawer was to do it over and over and over again. And so I would always be trying to make these little books and I had all these ideas for stories that I wanted to draw and like, oh, I'm just not good at drawing horse knees yet. And I really got to figure that out. They got like two knees. What the fuck? They got got like six knees, Andy. They're crazy. Oh, you got so many knees, you weird big dog. What's going on? (laughs) How you do that? A dog with a ponytail on his butt is no is no normal. It's not normal. Um, you know, you saying that is just very like, for me as a kid. I mean, you and I were both creative kids growing up. We both drew a lot, and for me, it was totally just about getting good at drawing. None of it was yeah. about expressing myself. None of it was about no. being an artist. It was like, I am going to get so fucking good at drawing an apple, and it looks like an apple that everyone's going to be amazed. That was my whole, yeah. my whole shit. That was all I, Dude, all I had. Dude, same here. It was all about rubbing it in other people's faces. Yeah. I'm, now I'm like, what the fuck is that? Oh, wait a minute. So did you, um, I assume you had a reputation at school as the drawing. I mean, I was a drawing totally. boy. I assume you were the drawing girl, right? I was the drawing girl. Yes. Did I ever tell you that, uh, I was a drawing girl and in third grade, the, a, a new kid came to our elementary school. Uh, his name was Frank Polera. Frank's still out there. I think he's designing like snowboards or now or something. I don't know. <gasps> and in third grade, Frank Polera walks up to me on the first day and he goes, hey, I hear, I mean, we're in third grade. So it was more like, hey, I hear. But, you know, he was like, he was like, hey, I hear you're the drawing kid around here. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I guess you could say I'm the drawing kid around here. He's like, well, just so you know. I'm the new drawing kid now. And I was like, ah, arch rival. <laughs> was he actually like trying to challenge your role? Oh, yeah, drawer? absolutely. Wow. And it's weird. I mean, obviously we were kids. Who cares? But right. I went to middle school and high school with Frank. And, uh, you know, I'd say our friendship never really recovered. You know, we, we were always, there was yeah. always a little bit of distance there because he challenged me in third grade and said uh, he was the new drawing kid. Man, fuck this guy. Okay, so I had a similar thing because I went to a private school. I went to that Christian school up until the middle of fifth grade. And then I went to public school. And in this public school, there were these kids who were the drawers. So one of them was on my school bus, Amber. And then, uh, actually, they were both on my school bus, Amber and Terry. And so uh, Terry and I sat next to each other in fifth grade. And at first, I was like, so, like, fuck this guy. Who does he think he is being better at drawing than me? <laughs> and then, but then he turned out to be really fucking cool and nice. And he drew like a different style than me. Like I think he drew more of a like comic book style. And I'd liked a more like cartoony, like, you know, like Adventure Time, even though that didn't exist yet, style of drawing. Uh, so I felt like there was, there was room in the world for both of us to exist as the good drawing kids. But yeah, and my niece, my niece did this to me like last summer or two summers ago where like her and her cousin were drawing together and they were like making it a competition. They were like, give us an award for who is better. And <laughs> imagine yeah. if that's what your job was like. If I, if you showed up to your design job and it's like, well, uh, Andy's the lead drawer this week. So the rest of y'all fucking suck. Dude, it, 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 it low-key sucks. I blame masculinity for all that shit because the only model I had for practicing anything was to crush everyone at it. Like, I didn't... Yeah! I did not have any kind of, like, model for, like, learning something for your own enrichment or for your own self-satisfaction or for your own creative expression. It was just, here is a skill to get good at and, you know, try and 
master basically and crush your opponent yeah pretty much and, I, and it, it sucks dude that sucks so hard but, that sucks but a similar lot. to me did you feel like this weird thing when you got to college where like there are so many people who are quote better uh at drawing than you and if you have an insecurity about that people are just like what's her deal because it's not a, at least at my school like it wasn't about that anymore dude i got chewed um, up freshman year because i First of all, and this is this makes me this tells you a little bit how much I was living on my own little island in high school. I did not know that art magnet high schools were a thing until I arrived oh, to I. art school freshman year. And we may have told all these stories before, but you know what, people? It's like 140 episodes of this shit. Just uh, get used yeah, to it. We forget. Deal we, with it. we forgot we had the conversation. So just uh, you know, here come here comes a replay. <laughs> but and so I arrived at art school freshman year, and then I was like going from biggest fish in my you know art program in my like public high school to itty bitty fish in a great big pond full of people that had spent so much more time getting good at this thing than I was and it was very very difficult for me to cope for a little while and uh really I just like for a long time I just kind of dug in and just got more competitive about things until I like had earned everyone's respect or whatever and everyone was just kind of like looking at me like who the who the fuck is this why is this guy doing this thing yeah, but they probably were also like, whatever. Like, I think everyone's always just way more focused on themselves uh, than they are on you. I mean, or maybe kids are a lot more mean than that. But at least as you enter your adult years, like, you're not sitting around thinking about how much worse somebody is as a designer than you. It's just, And if you are, you're a fucking asshole. Stop doing that. Or you're just, you know, you're a victim of, uh, of toxic masculinity and, and capitalism, which are yes. intrinsically linked. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, part I of it was that, like, I... Schools part of it was that, like... I was... You go, Linda. I want to hear what you have to say. Me first. Fuck the patriarchy. Do it. Yeah, a small action. I was just saying I didn't know that they were a thing either until, like, after college, I think. I think it was, like, once I After college? You didn't, like... I guess, did you not have a bunch of art... Like, I would say at least half of my peers in freshman year of college all went to our magnet high schools yeah well i mean for me it even after i got to college i was still kind of sheltered like i wasn't allowed to live in the dorms so i had to commute to school for the first two years i was one of those kids and then i lived wait, 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 wait. you weren't allowed by my... like parental decree like because you would do drugs and like uh, correct touch boys yeah correct wow I, so i wasn't I don't think allowed... i really appreciated how much you were like suppressed. Like you're an adult by the time you go to college, you were 17 Dude. years old or whatever. And you were still like totally under the thumb totally. of, uh, of your puritanical religious upbringing. Totally. And my parents, uh, like we didn't have very much money. Like I had to pay my way through college, but the few things that they did support me with, like, like they, uh, like the title to my car was in their name because I think they, they paid for half of my car or something. Um, and so they would like threaten to take that away. Like if right. I was like, well, fuck you guys, I'm going to go live with these friends. They're like, well, then we'll just report your car is stolen and good right. luck figuring that out. Yeah. Uh, enjoy talking to the police about that. Right. And so, yeah, I was still really under their control for the first couple of years of college. And it was, so I, I still felt really sheltered and like, I'm sure that I heard the rumblings of words like magnet school, but you're just it, over my head. And I think one of my best friends, who I'm still really close to today, shout out to Shane, if you're if you're out there, if you're listening. Yo, what up, Shane? Thanks for what tuning up, into Shane? the pod, baby. 
so I think that he went to a magnet school and at first I didn't understand what that meant because he, he said he went to like a fine arts high school and I was like what kind of crazy world are you from right like in, I mean yeah in Florida um and so yeah I think that that was my first uh, introduction to that concept but but yeah, and in New York, you know, it's like public high schools or magnet schools. It's pretty dang cool. Um, but yeah, just not a concept. Not yeah. a thing. But yeah, it took me a long time to... Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I, it took me a very long time to get over that aspect of the competitive nature of creative work. Yeah. Which, I mean, it sucks. It sucks so hard. <laughs> like, I, I yeah. really wish I could just be a creative person and enjoy making stuff and not think about comparing constantly to other people and other things. But yeah. Cause then of course, like once you've started your agency, I'm sure that you're then it, it just translates right into that. Like is our agency better than everyone else? Um, right. And at that point, like then it actually does kind of matter. Like who gives a fuck if I'm the best drawer in third grade, right? Like that's, <laughs> I should not be thinking about that at all. But the reason I am is because of all of the same, like, totally toxic trickle down things that come from that point in my life. Right. Where like, I'm going to eventually be like at some point my parents or my parents, parents or my teachers were like, someday you're going to be a working person and you're going to have to like, you know, prove your worth or whatever. And that seeps into everything. And then in third grade, I get all upset because Frank Polera, the new kid comes to school. And instead of having a new friend with a shared interest that we can like learn right. from each other or whatever, I've got a new arch nemesis. And it's exactly. all bullshit because at the point that you actually are running your agency out of college, then it actually kind of matters. Then if you are not competitive and you don't win, eh, you don't put food on the table. You don't get clients. So like, yeah, it's what is that thing that like scarcity is like the drug of capitalism. It's, it's the number one trick that right. And like there, there can be only one, there can be only one best drawer and not like, Oh, you could have joined There will only be a single and... successful designer and web developer ever. And I have to be the one. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, and you know, whether or not we should radically change our social safety net and society to be the kind of society where you don't have to succeed in a career to be a living, healthy human being that, uh, you know, doesn't have to worry about where your next meal comes from or having a roof over your head. That's sure. That's a political conversation we can have someday. But you know what I think we should all fucking agree on? A third grader shouldn't have to feel like they have to be the best drawer in third grade because their entire right. self-worth depends on it. And that is the goddamn emotional cost of this fucked up financial system. <laughs> I love the feeling. <sighs> it's bad, Linda. I feel you. I know. Andy, I got news. Number one, I'm still cranky. Oh, I'm glad. As, as You're allowed to be cranky. Noted. If you want to be cranky uh, really... at me, towards me, around me, I fully embrace that. I, I am here to validate and support your crankiness. Yeah, but I don't know why I'm cranky. I'm still figuring it out. That's fine. So that's one thing. So if I'm a little sassy today, then uh, <laughs> that's why. I, I wish you were like, two things. One thing, I'm cranky. Two, would you just shut the fuck up, Andy? Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All you ever talk about is capitalism, you goddamn privileged white dude running your own company. Like, fuck you. Yeah, I mean, we're all thinking it, so. <laughs> okay, great. No one has to say it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so there's that. Uh, another thing, I don't, I'm not going to say, I don't know. Fuck, what should I say? Okay, so I got the vaccine this weekend. Congratulations, um, Linda. I knew this. We you. talked about this off, off air. We talked about this off air. 
You told uh, me that you uh, stole the vaccine from a marginalized person. You hopped in line and kicked them out of line and, you know, stole their ID. Yeah. You're, you're a horrible person. We all know. Exactly. Exactly. So the, there's, you know, a bunch of guilt around that. But so far, the, the overall consensus is like, nobody deserves to know why you have a vaccine. Uh, we're not entitled to your, your health information. I agree uh, with this consensus. I also agree with the consensus that uh, even if you do think you know, uh, who gives a fuck? We're trying to vaccinate yeah. as many people as possible. Exactly. So just do it. It's great. Um, but anyways, I, I, I was in Georgia and I got to see my niece and I'm having one of those weeks where I'm looking at houses on Zillow in Georgia. Mm. Love to do it's, that. Uh, Love to look at Zillow. I actually, yeah. I kind of like cold turkey stopped looking at Zillow when I bought this house six years ago. Really? Yeah. I, I, I think part of it is that like I... I don't want to. I don't want to accidentally discover something better. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. Like that's part of it for me. Hillary is still still a much better fantasizer about that. She'll send me Zillow links pretty often, and I know she's just sending them as like, "Isn't this a cool house? Wouldn't it be cool?" Not as like, right. "I'm unhappy and I would like to move." But uh, I have a hard time fantasizing about it, ha- not actually owning a house, because it's like I want to put my effort into this, and I, I don't have any fantasy energy left to imagine right. what it might be like to buy a cabin in the middle of the woods in sweden which they're pretty fucking cheap turns out yeah how much are they oh i mean like uh i think it was a whole website cheap swedish cabins i want to say it was like you know thirty five thousand dollars for like a nice house in the middle of like wow. scandinavian wilderness wow that's amazing now can you get a job no you can't yeah there's a whole yeah there's an instagram house or, I'm sorry. There is an Instagram account called Cheap Nordic Houses that posts the houses and the prices, and this will make Ooh. you. This will give you some, some feelings. I'm gonna send you a link now. I did send you a picture of the hedgehog beanie baby, <laughs> so you I can, saw that. You can take Very a look cute. at that. He was the cutest Giving one. Me feels. I'm gonna send you some uh, Zillow houses. Do it. I want to see Zillow houses too. It's fun to it's fun to dream, Linda. I um this is vaguely related. I have been playing a lot of GeoGuessr. Have you heard of GeoGuessr? Oh, I have not. Is it where you like uh, try to guess the the map? Sure. Yeah. Basically, what it does is it uh, you can play a lot of different game modes. The mode I play is it drops you at effectively a totally random place on Google Street View, and you can't move, oh. but you can zoom and pan around the spot you're in, so you can like you know try and see everything you can see from that little point, and then you have to go onto a map of planet Earth and place that pin as close as you wow. can to where you think you are on Google Street View. And it is the most fun and great game. It is so good. And I've been thinking oh a lot God. about uh, Scandinavia, because I get to see a lot of Nordic, get to see a lot of the world That's playing cool. GeoGuessr, and it's like, uh, it seems like it'd be a nice place to live, except for the... Send me a link to GeoGuessr, because I need a group activity to do this week. I was um, going to suggest, if you needed some, like, we've been playing it every single morning at work for, like, a month uh, as a group, yeah. and it's fabulous. That's awesome. Let's, yeah, I want to do that. Because I was watching this show, uh, Rami, last night, and there was just this one scene where a lady, like, walks into a deli, and I was like, oh, they're in Greenpoint. Like, I knew exactly where they were. But it's just because I lived there. And so I I wonder how I would do um, in an environment that I haven't lived in ever or even visited. I bet you get it massively wrong, and then it's funny, and then there are laughs. Sometimes it's funny because you're, everyone's convinced that you're somewhere, and you're like looking at specific roads and trying to find the exact alley you're down, and then it turns out you were, in fact, not in Colombia. You were in Malaysia, and you were just yeah. like completely <laughs> off, and you didn't realize it. 
The world is so big. The world is big. Uh, this particular game prioritizes places where they have Google Street View images, which makes the world a little smaller. So like, there's, yeah. there's basically no Google Street View images in China and there's right. minimal street view in Russia. And obviously those are two enormous land masses that are kind of removed from the equation. Very minimal in India too, as far as I can tell. I've only gotten a couple in India ever. Um, yeah. But uh, Dude, it's a great game. Do you remember the first time that you saw like Google Earth? Yeah, it was fucking incredible. It was. It was so intensely like magical. Yeah, absolutely. To me. Yeah. Totally. You're like, wait, the whole thing is here? And I remember I was in college, and uh, one of my friends, like, showed me on his computer. And we just stayed up for, like, hours and hours and hours all night just showing each other, like, this is the house I grew up in. And <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing what we take for granted now because this was not that long ago. But, yes, I remember when it was a thing. I remember being amazed by it. This game, to me, is, like, the best parts of that because you get to see a little snippet of the world. Almost, I mean, in all circumstances, a snippet of the world you've never seen before, pretty much. I've never, I've not gotten any GeoGuessr pins that have been anywhere near a place I've actually known at all. Um, yeah. And then you get to like think about all the details of like what, what, what is, what defines this place in the world, right? Like, am I in a river valley? Uh, is it mountainous? Where is the sun in the sky? What language is written on these signs? And which way are they driving on the roads? And how? expensive are the cars and like all these things that you get to kind of think about and then look at a map and see how those features are projected onto actual geography and it's just it's really yeah. satisfying it's also like I, I said this on another podcast but i don't i don't really like puzzle games mostly because mm -hmm. i just feel like it's it's a trick you're just trying to trick me and i don't like trying to be tricked uh <laughs> and it's bullshit but this yeah. is like the best parts uh, the best parts of what i think other people like about puzzle games which is you get these clues and then you have to try and solve this mystery. And one of the best parts about it is that you can't solve all of them. Sometimes you're just like on a fucking dirt road in the middle of the woods and nobody with, you know, right. with, with infinite knowledge could ever figure out where you were because you just can't. So right. part of the fun is like figuring out, is this one we can actually get exactly right? Can we figure this one out? Uh, you know, yeah. and when you do, and then you like scroll up the, this morning we, uh, we had one that was in Iceland and we knew it was Iceland because it looked like Iceland. Iceland's pretty distinctive. And we had yeah. some like vague signs uh, about how far away certain inlets were, uh, and the inlets are all named in Iceland. And so we were like trying to like triangulate, and eventually found this exact intersection, and bam, nailed it right. It was great, so good, so much fun. Nice, that's fun. I bet if you were like really good at trees, you could yeah figure out. There's a, there's a at. lot of uh, knowledge that overlaps. So of the people that I work with, one guy is, uh, I would say, an amateur botanist. He knows a lot about plants and where they grow and where they don't grow. And so he's really good at that kind of stuff. One of them is a type designer. And so he's like, oh, no, they don't use that accent in this country. And it's like, great. I'm glad that you, <laughs> glad that you know that oh. about this sign. And so that's really helpful. It's yeah. uh, You get a little bit of everything. I, I know more than the average person about architecture. So like I can sometimes just figure out if... Uh, if a building is Japanese or, you know, Croatian just by looking at it, which is nice. So uh, right. you, get, you get a little bit of everyone's special knowledge. It's really, really fun. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's fascinating. I like it. If you ever want to play sometime, play just, uh, just let me know. Also, this house you said is pretty cool. I like it. It's fine. It's just, it's that style that there are a handful of those in Georgia. Um, like the, the split level 
layout, but they're very cool. Oh man, let me send you this fucking mansion I just found. I wonder who lived here. I like sp- the, I like uh, the level layout. My main complaint about this house is that uh, it's a little try hard in some some of the finishings. Yeah. Namely that like the wood texture on all the like stuff in the kitchen. It's like okay, you just tried to get the fanciest wood. And yeah. It doesn't oh, I actually... would completely. Yeah, I would completely like renovate that, the one I sent you if I could. This is the thing. Like a lot of people, I don't know. I don't. I don't like the way that most of these. I don't like the cabinets that they picked out. I don't no. like the. No. Let, let's guess who lived in this house. If you can, put a link to this house in the show notes. We're talking about the um, second one or the first one? I j- just sent it to you just now. This $11 million one. Yes. And also, $11 million gets you so much more in Georgia. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this in New York City would cost $150 million. Easy. Like, at least a billion. Um, <laughs> a trillion dollars. <laughs> a gazillion dollars. Bigger, bigger, bigger. I wonder... This, and there's a, the oh, there's a... Re- there's a recording studio in the basement, so. But I think once you're this rich, like there's also a basketball court, but it's not like they're a basketball player. Like I think once you're this rich, you just buy dumb shit, you know. You set right. up a recording studio. A, like this could honestly just be. Theater. This could be like some fucking uh, SoundCloud asshole that like has no followers that you know put a recording studio. It's like a whole massage room. Like here's the thing, Linda. I have a thesis. <laughs> I have a thesis about how rich people causationally don't have taste. I, I think <laughs> I think it's basically impossible to be a rich person with taste. And I honestly think this is the kind of thing that made like Steve Jobs remarkable is that he was a person that had taste that managed to get rich and then was a rich person with taste, which is like yeah. the rarest thing imaginable because yeah. in order to become rich, you have to inherently commit yourself to the pursuit of some bullshit that precludes you spending time broadening your cultural horizons it, it, experiencing and appreciating art uh, and becoming a person with taste. And so instead yeah. you become a rich asshole that works too much and you know, no one cares about, it. or you were raised by that person and uh, therefore were raised by some vapid, like troglodyte with no sense of taste. I don't think right. rich people have taste. That's my thing. I was, I was talking to my brother-in-law about this this weekend and I feel like this is about to touch on some really touchy subjects, but he, we were just talking about how there's like Louis Vuitton rich, in Georgia, where it's like, you know, you get to a level where you can afford some designer things, and so you buy a lot of designer things, and it's kind of like a flaunt of your wealth, but my brother-in-law, he was just kind of, like, making this observation that, like, he flew, uh, he's a pilot, and he flew private jets for these, like, billionaires, like, capital B, like, top 10 richest people in the world, billionaires, and those people, like, at least the ones that he knew, they're the type of people who will drive like an old truck. Like to them, it's like tacky to flaunt your wealth and to b- buy a designer handbag. Instead, you buy the like uh, downplayed sneakers that look like they cost 50 bucks, but actually cost like 700. Well, uh, yeah. Once you get rich enough that you know that like that your life is so radically changed by any kind of scarcity ever affecting you ever again for the rest of time. And you have a, you and you have your own planes, you <laughs> or any of your descendants or anything like, of, like, at that point, like, you completely check out. It doesn't even matter. Like, you can drive a shitty car right. because if your car breaks down, it is completely immaterial to you. You can you can pay right. people to come pick you up on golden sticks and carry you. Like, it, it literally doesn't matter. <laughs> and so at that point, I feel like taste is not even a factor anymore. It's like, does it, it's, it's irrelevant. It's not even a question because you just, you know, do whatever you want. Uh, and so, yeah. 
Right. And and I think that like those capital B billionaires, like they tend to have these places that are still huge and they'll own like an estate and a freaking vineyard or whatever. But it's, uh, I think that the fixings are more downplayed. It's not like gold and marble. It's more like. They're not trying to impress anybody because there's no one left to impress. Right. They've already, they've right. reached the top of, they the, did of the pile. And <laughs> like, and to tell the difference between a house that was bought by somebody with 10 billion dollars versus 20 billion dollars it's you can't tell the difference there's no there's no difference right. and so at that point you're not competing on that axis anymore so yeah. yeah so you actually just you know get whatever and like this house you sent this 11 million dollar house was clearly appointed to appeal to somebody that's still got a lot to prove <laughs> they, they, right. they got a lot right, right, they're right. trying to prove to people which you're not when yeah. you're billion, a billion dollars you don't fucking care you're not proving anything to anybody you are like on a whole other axis I sent you. Yeah, a, and it's also I sent like, you a, a picture of one of those rooms. What is that room? Is that a like a sauna? I guess. I'm, I'm opening it. Um, do, 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 do. I think it's a sauna. It's like a. It's fully, a very fancy one. It's like a fully tiled room with nothing in it except for like these weird wobbly benches. Yeah, and I don't know what's going on with it because it, like, I don't see any nozzles right. coming out of this. There's ceiling, no shower so. heads. There's no faucets. There's no nothing. There's no drain in the floor either. Importantly, which I feel yeah. like you would have pretty much no matter what. Yeah. I'll read the description. It's really, really strange. I also want to know what kind of contractors do this kind of work. Also, if you're listening and this is your style, I don't mean to throw shade. I do. You have no that taste. Brings you joy. <laughs> I do. I mean, to, I mean to throw shade. Why are you fucking trying to act like a French aristocrat from the from pre-revolution? Like that's some <laughs> dumb shit. It's 2021. Don't build some dumb yeah. fucking Victorian house. It's stupid. It is really funny. Like when people build. Oh man. And um like Carmel by the sea. It's like this neighborhood in California. Like there are all these little villas, like little Italian styled villas. And they have like the trees imported from Italy and stuff. And you're like, why, why do you do that? Just, but uh, that's one of the weird things about America. I think is that there is really no, uh, like what is the American style aside from like craftsman home? Um, I'm sorry. I'm listening to you, but I'm also got, reading this description on Zillow, and so I'm doing. You got both. sucked in. Read it. Read I'm it. Doing both. Read it out so loud. The important thing here that I noticed is that it's all furniture included, move in ready. Wow. What is the story behind this 11 million dollar estate with 18 bedrooms? Well, maybe this person elevated to that next level of uh 10 billion dollar house. Yeah, from reading like, the description. No, I don't need this anymore. I, I think what we're looking at there is, quote, a resort-style mosaic-tiled pool. Well, maybe not. I guess it's not No, really the pool, pool is the pool. Yeah, what is that room? I mean, it says spa included, so I guess it's a spa, but it's a weird spa. So much crown Giant molding. Steam All room. Of the ceilings. Giant steam room, I guess, is what that is. But I would expect to see more, more plumbing. Like, each of the ceilings is so ridiculously ornate. And stupid, yeah, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, I digress. I got no patience for rich a... people shit. <laughs> I just want whatever they they paid to uh, build out their luxury backyard um, grilling gazebo. Just give me that money to like put a down payment on a little uh, two bedroom in Brooklyn. That's what I want. Or maybe in Atlanta. Maybe in Atlanta. Okay, so maybe one more real estate gripe is that in Georgia, uh, I was like, maybe I could get a little house here. 
maybe I could get like a nice little two, three bedroom, you know, three tops. Uh, little weekend home. And, you know, yeah, just a little like something nice because I, I had a house there. It only costs like one seventy five when I bought it. Like like Atlanta's a it can be an affordable place to have a property. So I was just looking around, but Andy, like the only things that are like renovated and updated that you wouldn't have to put a bunch of work into are like six thousand square foot homes. They're all like McMansions. You're saying They're you all, can't even buy a small house in the part of Georgia that you would buy in. It's not even an option. Right. It's not even a thing. Uh, and if it is, like, it's it's not on Zillow right now. But, but yeah, just like, yeah. But I've also gotten used to living in a city where you live in a little shoebox, touching other little shoeboxes. 6000 is way too much. for How much? That's too much for, I mean, I'm going to go out and say almost any domestic unit <laughs> i yeah. don't think like if you have anybody you really have, needs that much space even if you have six kids like each person doesn't need their own 1000 square feet of space yeah what yeah maybe if, I wonder I, okay, if there's here's like a family unit I can imagine. maybe if you have like grandparents living on property yes. from two yes. separate you know families and also a teenager I've, I've told yeah. you about a pattern language. It's one of my favorite books. One of the patterns in a pattern language is that uh, they propose that teenagers should live in their own little attached house to the main house. And I think it's fucking brilliant. That's all teenagers yeah. need is a little house where they can go, you know, masturbate and uh, be alone. I mean, that's essentially what my sister had because we had an in-law suite. We moved into a house that had an in-law suite for my dad's mother. And then she eventually moved into assisted living. And my sister took that in-law suite and like in the last few years of high school and it was kind of perfect because yeah that's the dream yeah she had a lot of shit to get out of her system i think and privacy um it's also like, it's like a nice you get to you get a little taste of what would be independent living except you're still right. actually under the guise of you know under the care of your parents just you get to feel like you're independent a little bit right so i was curious if a book like that has an idea for how many square feet is the perfect amount of square feet for a human being it, I'm sure a that there's a number called a house for one. Yeah, I will send you uh, a picture of the book because the content is not online. But yeah, there's a it's a home for one. I think is the name of the pattern, uh, if I remember correctly. Okay. Uh, and there's also a home for a couple. And like there's and they specifically I don't give you square footage because that varies on a lot of factors. But they give you like here is the spaces you should consider for a home for one. Yeah, because if you have like a a four person family like. Uh, a couple and two children units like how many square feet is like the perfect amount because i think that those those big homes they do get so big that it starts to feel like lonely it's yeah. weird yeah it's depressing like, yeah you kind of feel separate and i feel like shared communal space is like uh people like to have big bedrooms but really like what you need is like a really big shared space and then Smaller I'm a big rooms. fan of small bedrooms, tiny bedrooms. You want it to be cozy. Yeah, same. Tiny bedrooms. Get in there, read a book. Cozy up. Um, yeah. Andy, I'm gonna go watch The Bachelor. Okay, do what you gotta do, Linda. But Sometimes you're cranky a, and you gotta watch The Bachelor. I respect that. I'm just cranky. It's the season finale, and I got a couple of girlfriends that I'm gonna text about it with and be like. <laughs> have you watched the, the lead up to the season finale do you know who the bachelors are uh yes so it is currently a bachelor 
And there are all these bachelorettes trying to uh, win his love. Okay, so, so I'm sorry. Yeah, so the, it's all the, it's a bunch of ladies, not a bunch of bachelors. I, I see. Right. So it's a so it's down to the final two ladies. Uh, and I've I've been kind of like half watching this. I tend to like fast forward through the eps because they're really annoying and awful to watch. But I'm invested, you know. Like I want to make sure he doesn't pick Rachel because she's mm. racist. There's a racist that made it to the finals. Well, this shit just came out like last week, where uh, yeah, she was in some confederate flag parties and stuff and the bachelor himself is a person of color so there's a lot of controversy going on and apparently this one has a real curveball andy now gotta see what that curveball is i'm gonna let you go but before you go is the bachelor how much of a ding dong is he or is he actually kind of a cool dude well i feel like the show has edited like any trace of a personality out of him so i think that he i might be wrong but i think he might be one of if not the first people of color to be like the bachelor um wow as a male i could be wrong maybe you should google that for me but anyways uh so he like he's they just painted him to be like the perfect guy like he's in real estate and he's not what they always do is not the whole point yeah and they like he takes care of underprivileged kids in his free time it's it's like he's like eye-rollingly perfect where you're just like okay like but they also he just always says exactly the right thing on the show. And it, it's just very like buttoned up and careful and he never gets like emotional. So he, like, he seems like a really great guy, but he also doesn't like appear to have a personality that you can see on the show. Like, I'm sure it's there. I think the show is just like, all right, we have to make sure that all America can agree with him and look at him and see their Prince charming. I'm be careful. I'm finishing up my podcast. I'll be out in two seconds. <laughs> um, I just got home with groceries, so I got to go too. But I'm going to say I'm not going to give you spoilers. But uh, Matt James is in fact the first Black Bachelor, and you want to guess how many seasons? Like what what season he is representing? Oh yeah, it's like 26 or something. 25. Right? He is the 25th Bachelor. And it took that many. That took that many. Look what what can what can they say, Linda? It's just not that many. Uh, you know what are you going to do? Fucked up. All right. Well, good to talk to you, Andy. <laughs> Bye, Linda. Have a good time. Bye.